0: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the bet rivers network, whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to game bet match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the bet rivers network. Hello again, everybody. And welcome to the Mike Francesa podcast on this last football Friday podcast of the season as we have reached the Super Bowl matchup uh, between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, and it has uh, long ago solidified as the Eagles are one-and-a-half point favorite and 50-and-a-half uh, is the uh, total for the Super Bowl. Now, BetRivers Rivers has a new football squares game where you can win up to $10,000. It's like the box game that... Is so popular at Super Bowl time, so you can play with them by making wages, making any football bets. You can win up to ten thousand dollars. So check it out on BetRivers and play Sugar House uh, app. So either one, wherever the wagering takes place. And remember, they have every wager that you can possibly think of. They have all kinds of parlay. I mean, they have everything. There are so many wages available now. You could go, you know, basically drive yourself silly with everything going on for the game. Um, It's a good matchup. There's a couple interesting storylines. Some of them have been very much overplayed this week. Andy Reid, and the pressure on him in this game is enormous. Uh, We know that. Uh, What it would do to Reid and Mahomes' careers and their legacies, we know what that is. Um, The obvious... Reed versus his old squad and everything there. Even Seriani being upset that Reed didn't keep him when he went to the Chiefs as, uh, as the head coach, you know, using that as a motivator, although I think he just looks for things to, to be motivated by. Um, you have the two black quarterbacks squaring off for the first time. Um, two guys who have earn their way in, in in a big way. I mean, to me, black quarterbacks isn't even an issue anymore. It's long past, uh, but it is historic in that sense. Um, and then you have the Kelseys going up against each other. Um, obviously, their parents have gotten plenty of attention uh, this week, um, so I know maybe that's been overplayed. But hey, it's an interesting thing. They're both they're both you know top players, and they will square off although they're not on the field against each other, as we know. Uh, And these are the best two teams. I think they've earned that. I think uh, Kansas City has the best quarterback in the sport. They have a top coach. They have a great tight end. They have a great lineman in Chris Jones. They have some stellar players. Philadelphia has about as much talent throughout the ranks as you could possibly have, and they come into this game really without a weakness, and they come into this game with two very, very pronounced strengths. Number one, their pass rush, which isn't good. It's historic. This is one of the best pass rushes of all time. You have four guys who had double digits. You have one guy in Reddick who has been virtually unblockable. You have watched them in the postseason completely obliterate the Giants with their pass rush and then put two San Francisco quarterbacks basically in the hospital. I mean, so this is a dynamic. This isn't a good pass rush. This is an overpowering pass rush. Kansas City lost the Super Bowl that they lost in this regime because their offensive line – Suffered tremendous injuries and was inadequate against Tampa, and Tampa obliterated their blocking schemes and sent Mahomes on the run the entire game in a one sided affair. Kansas City has spent the last two years, they even gave up Tariq Hill to improve their offensive line. They have improved it, but their tackles are not up to the standard that they will need to be in this game to handle everything. They're going to have to play over their heads. One is penalty-ridden. The other one, and he's a good, very good run blocker. The other one has given up eight sacks this year. Kansas City are masters at the short-passing game, the improv short-passing game. 28 of the 41 TD passes Mahomes threw in the regular season were thrown to the backs of the tight ends. They obviously have a tight end who's the best pass-catching tight end of all time. He's not the best tight end maybe of all time. He's close, but he's the best pass-catching tight end of all time without any question. He's not a great blocker, but he is a dynamic wide receiver and and the best that's ever played the position. And yes, he's often like a wide receiver, but the bottom line is he's that good. Okay, he is an incredible player. And he makes his presence felt every single game. There. Ability to dump the ball off, get rid of it quickly, and move the ball with the short passing game is going to be one of the real big factors in this game. The first factor is going to be negating the Philadelphia pass rush. The second factor is going to be utilizing that short passing game. The third factor is going to be Kansas City's ability to handle the Philadelphia running game inside the tackles. Kansas City should be able to handle the receivers deep. They're going to get deep at times. They have the ability to get really deep, the two receivers. The Brown make big plays, and they had great years. But intermediate passing game hurts Kansas City more than the deep passing game does. And Hurts will hurt you with his scrambling, with his running, and he throws a good ball, though he did not throw the ball well. I didn't think against San Francisco. Was that wind or was that the shoulder? I don't know yet. We'll find out on Sunday. I don't think Mahomes is 100%. I don't think Hurts is 100%. Probably half the players on the field are 100% at this point. The NFL is a war of attrition. We know that. We know that in a very, very big way. But to me, the two things that jump out at me are that they have to handle the eagle pass rush case closed that could destroy the game i mean i guarantee andy sat down with his coaches and said listen number one if we don't stop the pass rush there's no game number two they are very good the eagles are at running the ball inside the tackles very good and that cannot cannot develop into a big problem for kansas city For Kansas City to win, they need Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Kelsey to have big games. They're the best players. They have to have big games. Case closed. Philly has so many different ways to attack you and has so many different good football players that you can't make that statement about them where you pinpoint one player and say, this player has to produce. Not true. They can hit you with a multitude of backs, a multitude of receivers. It can be Hurts. It can be Hurts throwing deep. It can be Hurts running the ball. It can be the running game. It can be the pass rush. It can be the defense turning you over. It can be any part of this. So they have a variety of ways to beat you. A a variety of ways to beat you. Eagles this year were almost scary in the fact that they jumped out to big leads almost every game. They trailed at halftime in three games this year. If you throw out the New Orleans game because – they were really sitting people, including the quarterback. And they played terribly in that game. If you throw that game out, there were two games this year where they were behind at halftime and one where they were tied. And often they had 20 points and big leads at the half, which allowed them to do what? It allowed them to unload their pass rush in the second half, and unload their running game in the second half, which is their two greatest strengths. And that's how they play. And in these two postseason games, the Giants, because they just overwhelmed them, the Niners, because they knocked their quarterbacks out, they were able to jump out to big leads and coast. And they have outscored their two opponents 69-14 to while the Chiefs have beaten two opponents in close games. And let's be honest. If not for a roughing the passer call, we might still be playing in that game. Not roughing the passer, unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. It wasn't at that moment he was not throwing. He was running out of bounds, as we know. So, but that penalty decided the game. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. That penalty destroyed Cincinnati in that game. And Cincinnati helped themselves with some very, very poor play and poor execution in their last two drives. But And give Kansas City credit and Chris Jones credit for putting his presence and making his presence felt in those games. But they could have easily been beaten. They could have easily been in a one-possession game in the final seconds if a ball hadn't been fumbled by Jacksonville. And the other game was a game against a team that is as good as these two teams in Cincinnati. They They're this good. We know that. If they were here, nobody would have been surprised. If this game is tied in the fourth quarter, I think Mahomes will win the game. I think he's that good. And I think that would mean to me that Kansas City was able to at least figure out the two things they need to figure out in this game. And that is the interior running game of the Eagles, and the pass rush of the Eagles. If they don't figure those out, they'll be trailing in the fourth quarter. More games, in my experience, have been wrecked in the Super Bowl by the pass rush than anything else. When you have a quarterback running for his life, the game usually tilts the other way dramatically, no matter who the quarterback is. The Giants beat the Pats twice, upset them twice, including the undefeated team in the historic upset in Arizona. And there's no question that Eli Manning made plays and played brilliantly in the fourth quarter of both of those wins. Go look at his numbers. His numbers were brilliant, and it was superb in the fourth quarter of two very tough games in the fourth quarter made big telling throws in both games and executed whenever he had to. But the biggest thing that happened was that they had pressure on Tom Brady from the outset in both games. Without that, they would not have been able to compete. When Mahomes got beat in the Super Bowl, he got beat by the pass rush. Their offensive line could not match up with Tampa Bay. When Tampa Bay beat the Raiders, ditto, they couldn't block them. Right off the start of the game, they couldn't block them. It's happened many times. And in this game, the Chiefs have to prove, A, Mahomes can get rid of the ball quickly, and B, that they can block the Eagles. And Block Reddick, who has become a force. An absolute force in this game. There are a lot of little twists and turns in this game. You know, they don't have Tyreek Hill, but Scanling has really picked it up in the two playoff games after having a miserable season. And he's a factor here. Maybe Tony's going to be a factor here in the passing game or in the punt return game. There's plenty of guys, plenty of guys on the Eagles that you can highlight, running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, who could be a major factor in this game. Eagles have great balance throughout offense and defense, great balance. They're a very good team. And really, they they profile like a Super Bowl champion. They really do. In every way. And not to take anything away from Hurts, who had an MVP season. And on his best day can play every step of the way with Mahomes. But Mahomes is the standard right now in the league. It goes without saying. You know the spotlight's going to shine on him. It always does. for Kansas City I'm rooting for Kansas City uh, because as you know if you've followed this show Andy Reid was a frequent visitor to the show he and I have had a relationship for many many years and this game means a lot to his legacy it really does if he goes 1-3 and and doesn't beat the Eagles there's no question he has a sour taste for not winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles And the fact that he left, listen, they were right to make a change. It was time. And Kansas City, you know, really changed the fortunes of their franchise, which had struggled and been in the wilderness for 40 years. They jumped on Andy Reid within hours. And now 10 years later, he's been to nine playoffs. He's won seven titles, and he's been to the Super Bowl. Time and time again. He's been in the AFC title game five years in a row. What he's done there has been historic. He's fifth all time in wins, three behind the great Tom Landry. He has 247 wins. He's got 21 postseason wins, the second most in history. The second Super Bowl makes him one, not just the Hall of Fame coach, makes him one of the great coaches of all time. But if he has all the other things he has and only is one in three in the Super Bowl, it's going to hurt his legacy. This one's enormous for him, and I don't know how many times they're getting back. You just don't know. I don't take that for granted ever because I've seen too many times where guys just don't get back. It's not easy to do. I know the Pats made it look easy, but ask the Pats how easy it is now to get back. As this has been the first time in 20 years that they haven't been there in four years. So that era is closed. The dynasty has been put into the annals I'm rooting for Kansas City, but my head says that Eagles have too much in the way of pass rush, too much in the way of running game, and too much in the way of personnel, and that in a close game because Kansas City's never going to get blown out. They have too many people for that. They're too good for that. too well-drilled for that. Their quarterback's too good. Their personnel's too good. I don't see anybody blowing anybody out, but I do see the Eagles winning by a touchdown—a six or seven points, you know, twenty-eight, twenty-one, twenty, you know, 7, 23, 20 you know, something like that, you know, some in that range, somewhere right around thirty with the win, and you know, somewhere in the mid-twenties for the other team. And like I said, if the game is tied in the fourth quarter, I think it swings to Kansas City and the quarterback. The Eagles have played in front all year. That's the way they've played. That's their M.O., and that's what I think they expect to do Sunday is play from in front. And Kansas City is extremely vulnerable to getting behind the games, extremely vulnerable. And they're very comfortable in close games, as we know. They play in a million of them. They have become the classic win-but-don't-cover team. Kansas City's been doing that for years now. Winning at a big number, but not covering at a big number. These teams have both won seeds. They've won the same number of games. They've had superb seasons. And it makes for a great game, and that's why the game's a one and a half point game. Like I said, I'll be rooting, and I really will. I'll be rooting for Kansas City, and for that reason, I won't make a wager on the game. I, I will, I might bet some goofy parlays or something, but and bet some props and stuff. But I won't make a wager on the game because I'm gonna because I think the Eagles are going to win, but I'm going to root for Kansas City. But I do think, if you put a gun to my head, I think the Eagles are going to win. And I think the pass rush will be the reason why. I think it's relentless. I think it's historic. I don't think it's good. I think it's overpowering. And I think it will prove that again this Sunday. If it doesn't, it's going to be a heck of a game. If it does it'll probably still be a decent game or a good game. And if it doesn't, it could be a classic. We hope for that. Your emails when we come back. Email the Mike Francesa podcast. Drop Mike a note at Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Remember for all your wagering needs is, uh, Bed Rivers in New York and New Jersey play sugar house in Connecticut. And they have everything you could want. They got all kinds of special things. They got everything. So just go to the, the Bet Rivers app, play sugar house app, BetRivers.com and get everything you need uh, and do that now. Uh, the Mike Francis Podcast, you can get the, send us the emails at MikeFrancisPodcast at gmail.com. MikeFrancisPodcast at gmail.com. Here we go. What Super Bowl host city has been the best in your experience? Well, I've been to a lot of Super Bowls. Like everybody else in the middle of winter, I prefer the ones in the warm weather big advantage to that when they you know so when the games in you know southern california or in florida it does make a difference but the best the best site for that kind of event in this country is new Orleans because you don't need a car everything is very close in proximity you can get around they know how to handle it they're a great convention town it's a unique town restaurant wise uh from that standpoint uh they know how to party they spend their life partying, and although I can't imagine that Vegas won't do a brilliant job next year, and I, I have to go to that just to see it because I, I I can't fathom that it's going to be in Vegas next year, which it is. So I will go to that because of that. I don't mind Arizona because of the weather, uh, and I love the Phoenician. It's a great. There's some great hotels in Scottsdale, and I think the Phoenicians one of the great hotels in America. Um. Mm-hmm. I like to go out there and, and, but when we, when we did out there and did our regular show, it, you never get anything done in Arizona because the time difference kills you because you're starting the show so early in the morning and your day's over when you finish the five hour show. So we never got a chance to do anything. You know, never got to play golf. I did anything in in, in Phoenix because of the time difference. Um, You know, and then you go out to do the show on Sunday morning you know, when I used to do the NFL show on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and you're in the, pitch, you're in the black. We, you know, we'd be in the dark as we go into some radio station to do the show. I mean, it's the middle of the night. During the NHL playoffs last season, you would said something along the line, some players can just wreck a game. Who in this Super Bowl can wreck a game for an opponent? Redick. Chris Jones. The Tyreek Hill, if he were here, could wreck the game. I think in this game, those are the two that could really wreck the game because they, they could get loose for multiple sacks. They could get the sack and the, and the uh, turnover. They could hurt the opposing quarterback. So, I would say those two especially would be guys that could wreck the game. Absolutely wreck it. Why can't the Super Bowl be held on Saturday so most people can be off the day after the Super Bowl? Uh, Do you think that will ever change? Absolutely not, because there is an enormous difference between Sunday in America and Saturday in America. The NFL owns Sunday. It doesn't own Saturday. It owns Sunday, and Sunday is by far the biggest TV day of the week this is a TV event that has no equal in, the, in America and in the world. Advertising careers are made on this game. People work on advertising for this game all year on single ads for this game and for just on this game for the entire year. So the idea that's being played on a Saturday makes no sense, which is the worst TV day of the week. Plus, people are busy on Saturday in America, and a lot of people will work on Saturday in America. So, no, it will never, ever, ever. There might be a day where it's played President's Weekend, which is what the NFL has always wanted, and Monday would be a holiday. Monday is the biggest day for absenteeism in schools and in offices across the country uh, every year, the day after the Super Bowl. More people stay home than any other time. Because you know what? The parties don't end at 10, 11 o'clock at night. People have had it. They want to stay the next day off, and they do. Uh, So that's why it would be great if the next day was a holiday. Because it is an American holiday on Super Sunday anyway. The world stops. I used to drive in to do my NBC Sunday night show at halftime when I was home for the Super Bowl. And I would leave when the halftime would start. And I would be in NBC before the second half even started. And I would not see more than a car on the LIE going into the city. I mean, it would be like nothing. There'd be no traffic. It'd be like it was 4 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning. There's nobody on the road. Everybody is watching this game. And I've made this comment many, many times. If you watch the ball drop, or you watch the super bowl alone you have to reassess your your life something's not right these are not days these are not events to be experienced alone if the ball drops and you are alone and i can tell you i've never you know fortunately i've never experienced that but same thing with the super bowl if you are not at a party somewhere, or having a party, there's something wrong. You need to reassess that. Um, Goodell and the owners continue to frustrate so many of us. I read that he said recently the league is considering a flex schedule policy for Thursday night games and holiday night games. When is enough enough? Listen, Goodell is there to make the owners money. He is there to do two things. Grow the game in terms of revenue and protect the shield. Protect it against the player association. Protect it against the media. Protect it against whatever needs to be protected against. Listen, all you have to do is go back and watch what this guy did when Dr. Amalu made the discoveries he did on the concussion and see how he dealt with that. And really, he could have been brought up on charges. His actions were that criminal. People were dying, and he said they got it in their swimming pool. He knew what was going on, and he let people die. There's no, there's no way to go from there. So this guy would do anything. He shills for the league, and that's why he gets paid $50 million a year. Because he does a good job growing the revenue, and he protects the shield, which is what his job is. Listen, when he took the job, And he was a nobody. The first thing he said was, I'm here to protect the Shield, and this Shield is not a sport. It is an entertainment property. And that's how they view it. Andy Reid, is he a Hall of Fame coach if he wins or loses this game? Oh, no-brainer. Andy Reid has long ago been a Hall of Fame coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach years ago. He has 247 wins. He has 21 postseason wins. He's already won a Super Bowl. No matter what happens here, he is a Hall of Famer on roller skates. I feel like the start of the career Mahomes has been somewhat underappreciated. He is sixty four and sixteen in the regular season and is playing in his third Super Bowl. He's well on his way if he remains as one of the best ever. No? Yes? No. Well, listen. What Mahomes has done has been nothing short of brilliant. He's in his third Super Bowl in five years. He's been a dominant player since he stepped into the league. He's been on a team that's one big every year. And he was in the right place at the right time with the right coach who first understood and was smart enough to draft him and then knew what to do with him when he drafted him and knew how to build the team around him. And the fact that they lost Tyreek Hill because they couldn't afford him and are still back here shows you all you need to know about who they are. You know, who they are is a team that finds players in the damnedest spots, okay? Let's be honest. Is there a more, is there a more unusual player than you've seen in this league than Pacheco? Here's a Rutgers kid taken at the bottom of the draft out of nowhere, early in the season, nothing, Look what a big factor he's become. He runs so hard it's unbelievable. He's made himself into a major factor here. And he is now featured in the Super Bowl after basically coming out of nowhere. And he has found players like this all the time. That's his genius. And how to utilize them. Does he have a weakness as a coach? Yes. Yes. He strays from the running game too often in big games and relies too heavily on the pass. He needs not to forget the running game. And I think that will play again this weekend. He cannot ignore the running game completely. If he does, it will hurt him. He needs to maintain some balance because that will help him in in blocking these guys. But they continue to find players in the damnedest spots, you know, and late in the draft. I mean, look at some of the players that were found late in the draft this year. We look at the draft and we talk about the first round and you turn it off after the second round and say, oh, I don't need to see any more. Hey, look at the players, prominent players, guys who are playing big roles who came in the bottom of the draft. It happens all the time. And you see it with the good teams more than any other time. So I think Reed, because of the frustrations in Philly, has been somewhat overlooked himself. What he's done in Kansas City has been unbelievable as a second. Think about it. After he left Philly, where he didn't win, where he kept getting to the title game and losing. And he got to the Super Bowl once and lost by three points in what was a strange game with McNabb. He didn't win despite winning so much, year after year after year, but not winning the big one in Philly. He then goes to a second franchise, builds this offensive machine, and turns this team into a... Let's be honest. A borderline dynasty. Ten years. Nine playoffs. Seven divisions. Five straight AFC title games. Three Super Bowls. They are dominating. And they have unseated the Pats in the AFC. They have become the team. They've become an enormous draw. They've become an enormous draw on TV. Everybody loves the Chiefs. They have the biggest star in Mahomes. I mean, so everything is there. That's all because of Andy Reid. And Andy Reid, if he can get, and it will not be easy. He is up against a very tough opponent on Sunday. But if he can get a win this week, then he has put the big ribbon on his career. And he has established himself as one of the all-time great NFL head coaches but he needs that second Super Bowl to do that the guys that he will always be mentioned against they all have multiple Super Bowls it's important Landry lost more heartbreaking games than anybody he lost two heartbreakers to the Steelers. He lost two heartbreakers to the Packers. Heartbreakers. He lost a heartbreaker to the Colts when his defense was unbelievable. And, he, and it was his fault because he didn't believe in Raji yet. But then, on top of that, he was there every year and he beat Denver 27-10 in the Super Bowl. And he beat Miami 24-3 in the Super Bowl. And he won his Super Bowls. And he went to the playoffs 14 out of 15 years. And, you know, he had a dominant team, and he built a dynasty. He revolutionized the game in a lot of ways with different things he did on both sides of the ball. but you need that second Super Bowl. If Andy doesn't get it and he loses and he's one and three in the Super Bowl, he will have his detractors for the big game. Now, he's got this one Super Bowl, which is critical, but that second one stamps you. We will be up Sunday night after the game to discuss what this Super Bowl meant, what happened, why and where, and take a first peek at next year. I thank everybody for uh, supporting the, especially the Football Friday podcast, which has been very, very successful. All the podcasts have been really successful, but this one's been really successful. So I thank everybody for that. We'll be back with it next year. And again, we will be with you Sunday night. And we'll be up there. Might as well get it up there at a reasonable time before you go to bed Sunday night. Game ends around 10-ish, right around there, a little before. By the time you get to the post game, it's about 10 o'clock. Then we'll get down and do a post game for you with the podcast. So look for that on Sunday night. And then we'll see you around, and get ready towards the, hey, pitches and catches for a lot of teams on Monday, a month away from the NCAA tournament, which we will cover wall-to-wall. Kentucky Derby, horse racing, High Oaks back racing. He's a cup. High Oaks going to be, I hope, knock on wood, a very interesting story this year you know just for a second because some of you asked me about him I own High Oak with my partner Leon Slider we own a bunch of horses together we have a couple new babies this year Reynolds Channel and uh, Blue 85 uh We still have Casa Creed, who's going to run in Dubai uh, on February 26th in a big race. The ageless Casa Creed. Um, We thought we had a derby horse with with, uh, High Oak. Matter of fact, our connections, including, you know, the stable thought that this was had a chance to be a classic winner. Very good chance. He won the he won his first time out at Belmont. He went to Saratoga and he won the Saratoga Special by four and a half lengths over some very good horses. He got very unlucky in the Hopeful a couple of weeks later on a uh, weird track because it had a big thunderstorm before the race, and then he hit the gate in the race, which people didn't realize until after the race we didn't really make a big deal about it but then we gave him a bunch of time off and then we didn't run him again that year because he had hit the side of the gate in the hopeful we were very patient with him we brought him back in the fountain of youth in Florida he was cut off badly in the race he clipped heels he did a somersault almost broke his neck lucky he didn't die We put him back on the track and we were going to try and bring him back around Belmont Day. Mod came to us and said, Listen, I want to give him the special test. We gave him the special test that basically is a test that lights up his entire body and shows you anything that's going on. There's only a couple of places in the country that has it, Belmont actually has it. Um, what the vet said was, there's nothing wrong with him, but he has just general body soreness, and he's just not right. And Mott, who's a legendary Hall of Fame you know, conditioner, said, if we go forward on this horse, we're going to lose him. He's going to go sour on us. He's just not himself. So we said, what should we do? And we got together, and we decided, the three of us, Mott and Lee and myself, that we would put him on the farm but we didn't just put him on the farm. We put him on the farm and turned him out 18 hours a day. Nobody on his back for five months. The only place he ran was in the, in the pool. He ran in a special conditioning program in the pool for months. He didn't have anybody on his back, and he spent hours in the fields every day. Ran the hills of Maryland. Stayed there until he went back into training in December at Payson Park. And he is now a couple, he had to work out for the, because he's been out such a long time, he had to work out for the state bets if he's going to come back and run, which he did, and he's worked a lot. He's back training full bore, and he's grown up. He's a man now because he's four. And he's a couple of weeks away from a race. Maybe maybe the first week in March or so. Then we're going to bring him back in, either on the Derby on the card, or bring him back in the Met Mile. We have high hopes for him in the big races in, at Saratoga. We haven't yet sent him two turns. We're going to take it in stages. We're going to run him. We're going to sprint him and start to stretch him out from there. But he... We have been very patient. He has been handled superbly by the Mott Bond. They've all done a brilliant job with him. He looks great. He's training great. Knock on wood. We've been very patient with him. Um, and it's amazing that he even has a career considering how bad his fall was. But uh, it could be a very interesting year with him. And it could start in a couple of weeks. I'll keep you tuned. but it looks like he could make his first start on March 4th. And then we'll either make a decision to come up and run on the Carter in Aqueduct in April or wait till Derby Day and run on the undercard in a grade one on Derby Day at at, uh, Churchill. Then run in the Met Mile, which obviously is an enormous breeding race if he wins that. He's already won a grade two if he wins that grade one. Obviously, he's got his career solidified. But we have bigger plans from the when that. When That's just the beginning. We're hoping to go forward from then and stretch him out and take him to the Whitney and take him to the Breeders' Cup Classic and stuff like that. If he continues along the path, we hope he continues along. Um, so he could write an interesting story this year. It's an amazing comeback. Uh, we showed a lot of patience with him, which we, I think that was the easy part. Uh, but the plan that was mapped out was very different, very special, and it's worked very well. And everyone who's handled him has done such a superb job in handling him. And they've all given him special care. So uh, it's an interesting story, and we'll see how it plays out. But he could be back on the track in a race by March 4th. So I'll keep you uh, tuned to what's going on. But he's getting closer and closer. And Casa will run February 26th in Dubai. In the race you won last year, you missed by a nose-in. He's going to run back in that race this year. And then he's going to try and defend his Jiper uh, title on uh, Belmont Stakes Day. He's won the Jiper the last two years at Belmont. He'll try and make it three years in a row, which would be a remarkable achievement to win the grade one three years in a row. He's seven years old now. Uh, but we're going to try. He's an incredible horse in his own right. You know, he's had a great career. He's already won a lot of, a couple million dollars. He's been a very, very good horse. Um, so we'll see. I'll we get a couple of new babies to have some fun with this year. So we're looking forward to the racing season. So we'll keep you in tune to all that. We don't have a derby horse this year. Hopefully one of our two-year-olds, because we didn't get any babies that year. We just didn't find any we liked. This year we we purchased two. Hopefully next year they are in the running for something like that. We'll wait and see. You never know. you got to be blessed, but we'll see what happens. Um and we'll see what, where Hyo is going to take us this year. Enjoy the uh, Super Bowl, and we'll talk to you some Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli Podcast today wherever you get your podcasts.